Under the HIPAA omnibus rule that came into effect on March 26, regulations have changed for how patient data can be used for marketing and fundraising purposes. Covered entities such as hospitals, clinics, and doctor practices, as well as their business associates, have until September 23 to comply with the new provisions. I'm Marianne Kolbesak-McGee, Managing Editor of Information Security Media Group. Today I'm speaking with Helen Ostrzeslawski, a healthcare attorney who will explain the HIPAA omnibus marketing and fundraising provisions and what organizations will need to do to comply. Hi, Helen. Good morning. Now, under HIPAA omnibus, what's changed about how patient data can be used for marketing and fundraising purposes? These are two of the several areas that the high-tech rule changed. For marketing purposes, the most significant change or prohibition, if you will, flows from the restriction or the prohibition on financial remuneration. There has always been a restriction, even before high-tech omnibus final rule came out in January, there has always been a restriction on marketing, which is a very specifically defined term. Um, It says in the rule, it's always said that marketing constitutes making any communication about a product or service that encourages a recipient to purchase or use the product or service. And if that test was met, then a HIPAA authorization from the patient would have to first be obtained before any PHI could be used for to make that kind of communication. There were large exceptions and continue to be exceptions whereby communications that are related to information about treatment for the patient that's specific to the patient's treatment as well as certain kinds of healthcare operations for the entity that's making the communications were accepted. They weren't considered marketing because they were rather fit the definition of a treatment communication or relating to the treatment of the patient or a healthcare operation function. There were also two large exceptions under and continue to be exceptions under the the HIPAA rule for face-to-face communications and promotional gifts of nominal value. I think that HHS felt that those exceptions for treatment healthcare operations may have started to become used too broadly. And so we saw a curtailing of that in the new high-tech rule. And so any communication now where there's financial remuneration that uh, passes between parties, it needs to be looked at very closely because that financial remuneration is, is a very key factor and restriction where this communication, PHI is being used for communications to encourage a recipient to purchase the use of the product or service. Um, they did also, they, HHS, the regulating agency, um, made uh, additional exceptions whereby they said even if there is financial remuneration that's exchanged for certain things like refill reminders about the drugs that may be a generic equivalent and reminding patients to adhere to instructions about prescribed medications or communicating about a drug delivery system when self-administered drugs are involved, certain kinds of exceptions are going to be uh, applied even when there's financial remuneration. And there's also uh, express exception for case management and case coordination. So you need to take a look at those rules uh, very carefully. Take a look at two tests. First, if there's a communication, you're using PHI to make make a communication about a product or service, and if there's any financial remuneration involved between the two parties, you've got to take a look very carefully at those relationships. 
Under the fundraising rules, very briefly, I think the most significant change is that um, the entity that may be making any kind of communications about fundraising on behalf of a covered entity and is using PHI, protected health information, about patients to do so, has to provide patients with an opportunity to opt out of every every single time such a communication is transmitted to the patient. Uh, in the past, the opt-out did not have to go with every single communication. It was a one-time uh, sentence that occurred, that appeared in the Notice of Privacy Practices, and the opportunity nearly needed to exist for the patient to opt out. Here, with a change starting, as you said, September 23, 2013, not only does it have to appear in the the organization's notice of privacy practices, but it has to be on the actual communication to the patient that they have the right to opt out and how they may do so. Now, you mentioned opt out and um, entities need to pay attention to that. What steps should healthcare providers be taking to comply with the marketing and the fundraising provisions? Do they need to change their privacy notices? Are there technical steps that they need to do to protect data from being disclosed or used for marketing purposes or fundraising purposes, what do they need to do? I recommend the first step that an entity should take is find and locate a copy of their marketing policy and their fundraising policy. And if they don't have one, then they need to get one. Particularly with regard to marketing, I will mention that in the last two years, one of the civil monetary penalties or the resolution agreement that the Office of Civil Rights handed down to an organization was due to the lack of marketing, a marketing policy. In that resolution agreement and in that enforcement action, the organization was sharing information with a third party, which was was constituted marketing. And OCR determined or at least suggested in the resolution agreement that this was inappropriate sharing of information potentially for marketing purposes, but more importantly, that the organization had no policy on marketing. And that resolution agreement resulted in a $100,000 civil monetary penalty fee. Actually, it wasn't a CMP. It was a resolution agreement, but it was a penalty that was assessed in exchange for the resolution agreement. So first step is really to get your hands on marketing not just a sentence, but it has to be a very specific marketing and fundraising policy. Take a look at that and make sure it's detailed. It has to have a process involved. It has to match what you're doing. How is the information collected? Who is your fundraising organization? These things should all be spelled out in your policy. I always say clear policies result in clear action and processes, and unclear or ambiguous policies or lack of policies result in lack of clarity and can get an organization in trouble with regard to how PHI may be used and put you at risk of PHI not being used properly for marketing purposes in particular. So my first recommendation very strongly is to sit down with your compliance team and spend some time putting together a a good marketing policy with regard to how you're going to allow PHI to be used for marketing purposes and fundraising purposes. Second, of course, as you just mentioned, you know, updating your documents. Once you have your process and your policy in place, then you want to match your documents to what you say your policy says you're supposed to be doing. For example, your Notice of Privacy Practices certainly has to be updated. Not only does the high-tech omnibus rule mandate that it be updated, it has to contain certain language in it, so it should match what the uh, changes say need to be in HP uh, and NPP. So you need to do that. Get your hands around who your fundraising organization is. 
find out whether you're using a third-party vendor to send communication. Sometimes it's not just one organization. The compliance officer, the privacy officer needs to get his or her hands around how the information is shared with a third party who's engaging in marketing and fundraising purposes. And that needs to then be pulled through the organization to understand that, you know, this is our policy, these are our, our documents, you must use this MPP, you must use these opt-out forms, these are mandated by, mandated by our policy, and this will help manage the risk for the organization. Um, and as a last step, I would recommend uh, not only the training, but also getting your hands around uh, third parties, and I think this gets to your next questions, you know, get a handle around who your business associates are, what they're using the information for, and making sure also your third parties' actions are matching your policies. What types of business associates might use patient data for marketing or fundraising purposes? I think that can vary, and it would depend from organization to organization. In some cases, organizations may have express or absolute prohibitions against PHI business associates to use PHI for marketing or fundraising purposes. But starting with the easier one thing for fundraising purposes, quite frankly, a business associate would never be using PHI for its own fundraising purposes. So to answer your question directly, the only time a business associate may be using health data or PHI for fundraising purposes is when an organization like a hospital contracts a third party to perform that function on their behalf. So either the hospital doesn't have the resources to do it in-house or wishes to contract a specialized organization to do the fundraising purposes for their on their behalf, but for most purposes, the fundraising function would be on behalf of the organization. So a business associate would typically be using the PHI to perform that function on behalf of the hospital or the organization, not on behalf of its own uh, fundraising purposes, okay? So there has to be a relationship tie. Um, and that can be any kind of fundraising, cancer fundraising, diabetes fundraising. It has to somehow tie back to a covered entity. A covered entity couldn't just simply release PHI to a cancer association as well as the intentions are and as well as the uh, fundraising purposes are. They couldn't just release PHI to a, a third-party cancer association uh, organization to then start sending communications to uh, patients for that organization unless there's some relationship between the hospital and that association. Similarly for marketing, I would say that a third party should never be using PHI or obtain PHI from an organization to market its own services. So there has to be a tie back to the covered entity. A business associate that's been engaged or contracted by a hospital or organization to conduct certain permissible kinds of uh, marketing services on their behalf, that would be the type of business associate that may receive PHI to perform those kinds of marketing services on behalf of the organization. Some examples of this might be there's a lot of wellness programs that third-party organizations uh, have all kinds of products or services that could benefit patients for preventative or health care um, and wellness programs. But again, that organization has to be providing those kinds of value-add or those kinds of health care wellness programs through the hospital, through the organization, through the health care organization, not on its own behalf. So they can't, unless that there is the patient's authorization that patient was interested in receiving separated uh, marketing directly from that third source. Absent the patient's assent or the uh, authorization to receive that kind of marketing, then you have to be very careful to make sure that the business associate relationship has been established and that it's really a communication that's coming through the covered entity. And then, of course, you have to take a close look. If there's remuneration that's exchanged, then you have to 
again, take a closer look to see and make sure that you're not getting tripped up on that prohibition for remuneration and make sure that you don't need a a patient's authorization uh, in any case. So, again, complex relationships and something that has to be taken a look at very closely when those kinds of communications go out. What steps should business associates take to comply with these provisions? And do those steps differ depending upon the kinds of services that the business associate provides to the covered entity? Yes, I think just as I mentioned, I think it, it does differ depending on the kinds of services. So as I mentioned in the, in, with the prior question, uh, a business associate that has been contracted for the purpose of facilitating fundraising for a healthcare organization or a business associate that has been contracted to perform the marketing types of services on behalf of the organization would be in a position where they're a vendor performing it on behalf of the hospital or the organization. So they would look to really the direction and should not be using the protected health information or patient information beyond what what they've been contracted to do. So I think to answer the first part of the question, what steps should business associates be doing to comply with the provisions, I think the answer is twofold. First, a business associate really should pay attention to what their contracted, the scope of the contracted services has been delegated to them. Business associates should remember now that they are directly liable for noncompliance with HIPAA and the high-tech amendments. So their failure to comply with the proper way to handle PHI on behalf of a covered entity can subject the business associate to direct liability. So I recommend, whereas in the past I think that there was less attention given by business associates in particular with regard to how the PHI may or may not be used by them once they get it, I think it's imperative that they take a look at the contract that they've put in place between the covered entity and the business associate and understand very clearly, and if it's not clear, they should make it clear, what is the full scope of services and functions that the covered entity has contracted me to do? What is the scope of the fundraising purposes that I've been contracted to do? What is the scope of the marketing that I'm contracted to do? Am I insuring? Am I not going outside of that scope? Because if I go outside of that scope, then I am in violation of HIPAA, not just my business associate uh, contract, but I could be in violation of HIPAA obligations, which could subject me to direct violations. So I say first for business associates to understand the scope of what you've been contracted to do. Second is that you really, the business associates need to really understand these provisions themselves. They need to understand the marketing provisions. They need to understand that if they do get PHI, that they're not permitted to use information to market directly to patients without the patient's HIPAA authorization. Same thing for fundraising. So the second step of what I would recommend for business associates is to get much more familiar with the HIPAA and the high-tech rules than they have been because now they apply these restrictions and these rules, apply directly to them, and their failure to comply with them can subject them to direct liability. What do you think the biggest challenges will be for business associates and healthcare providers when it comes to complying with these new marketing and fundraising provisions, and what's the best way for them to overcome those challenges? I think the biggest challenge for business associates in particular is that they haven't really paid attention to the rules. The majority of business associate agreements simply say business associate agrees to comply with HIPAA, but in my personal experience, 
business associates didn't really truly understand the full scope of what that meant. Uh, they had this generalized idea of patient privacy and patient confidentiality, but they really didn't have a full understanding of the nitty-gritty of all the restrictions and exceptions and how things work as, for example, marketing and fundraising. And another important area is de-identification of information, which we're not going to get into today, but in some cases, de-identified data may be used for certain purposes. But I think that the biggest challenge for them is really kind of be to step into the shoes of their covered entities, and they're going to have to spend some time and resources and assemble a team who's going to pay attention to HIPAA compliance more closely. And again, because there is direct liability for non-compliance here, I think that it's imperative that they get their hands around because it's no longer just saying I comply with HIPAA. Now you actually have to comply with each one of the provisions and the restrictions and the failure to do so can expose them to, to penalties. The best ways I think, for them to overcome those challenges is first to sit down and understand uh, compliance. I think you need, in my experience with my clients, um, you need a clear plan. I always sit down and say first, you know, I, I do. I lay out a, a four-step process. First is to assemble your team and understand who's responsible for what. Get your correct governance team around the table. The privacy officer cannot do it alone. The security officer cannot do it alone. You have to have the privacy officer, the security officer, and the key people on the table to put together a team to get this done. And then you have to go to your next step is to get your hands around the documentation. What do you need to have in place? Does associates need to have clear policies for security rule compliance? Full security rule compliance means documented policies. It means documented security assessments. It means a whole host of things that in the past business associates haven't done. So HIPAA uh, compliance means, you know, governance. It means getting your hands around the documentation. And then it means also putting in place processes. So for covered entities, you know, making sure that where the PHI goes to, to fundraising, what is the process for that? How are we centralizing opt-out? Who's taking care of opt-out? Once a patient gets opted out, who's responsible for making sure that that patient doesn't get any further communication about fundraising if they opted out? How do we operationalize these things? The process piece to be taken care of as for business associates and covered entities alike. And then the last piece I say to overcome the challenge is train. Once you have your governance and your responsible people in place, you have your clear policies for marketing, fundraising, and everything else in place, you've adopted or you've made decisions about the processes, then you've got to tell your staff and your people what they need to do. So you need to train them, you need to educate them, you need to make sure that everybody in your organization understands what they need to do so you can then match your organization's functions to what you've got. Thanks, Helen. I've been speaking with Helen Oshislawski, I'm Marianne Kolbesek-McGee of Information Security Media Group. Thanks for listening.